Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national women's current affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. What a young lawyer. I'm going to be your teacher today. A young one. I'm going to call Jalantachuk. What a means hello. A younger means me. And a way means listen. A younger way. Listen to me. This week on Women on the Line, we travel to Mbantua, also known as Alice Springs, to look at the Arenda Language Project, Apmara and Ganjukana, which translates as a place for language. We'll speak with artist Beth sometimes and hear excerpts from a forum on language held on July 3rd as part of the project to coincide with NIDOC Week. The project took place for three weeks from mid-June to early July in a yellow painted shed just off the Todd Mall in the centre of town and included an array of Aranda language-based activities and discussions each day, including the walking tour you heard part of at the start of the program and a list of 50 Aranda words everyone who lives in Mbantua should know. Before we get started, Women on the Line would like to acknowledge that this episode was produced at 3CR Studios on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and that their sovereignty was never ceded. My name is Beth, and I am an artist, and I live in Alice Springs. I've lived here on and off for about 15 years, and I work in a bunch of different mediums, including kind of a socially engaged practice and working with people around language issues here. Mm-hmm. And today we are going to talk about an Aranda language project that's been taking place. Uh, the project's called Apmara and Ganjikana, which translates, yeah, as a place kind of belonging or for language, belonging and to or for, yeah. Could you tell us a bit about the project to get started? Well, it gets really morphed really hard in the last year since it sort of came into existence or maybe... Well, it's always hard to find the beginning of a story, isn't it? But, <laughs> um, but the what it kind of ended up being through consultation with, I guess, people local, Aranda people locally who are considered Castonians or you know experts in um, language, in Aranda language, was a place like a physical site for bringing attention to and creating a place for the exchange of knowledge around language and the language of this place. And that was operating, I guess, in two major kind of modalities, and one of them was around settlers and visitors to this place and how we engage with the local language, but also engaging with Aranda people's main concern for language at this present moment in time, which is around the transfer of that knowledge to um, the next generations and the, I guess, the impacts of colonisation upon language. And so operating kind of on two, in two different ways, but then also looking at how those two different kind of modes of activity kind of inform each other and have a conversation with each other. And in terms of the actual space and what's been happening, I understand there's a, a yellow shed that was um, in, mm-hmm. in use. Could you just tell us a bit of the practicalities and what the space was like and the things that happened there? Yeah, well... Originally, actually, my concept way back was to try and get an unleashed shop in the um, cold car park because partly because that's a site that I'm kind of obsessed with as like a pretty, I guess, dense, there's a dense number of things in operation in one little shopping centre car park 
area and that's sort of where a lot of different people converge in one place because of that necessity of food food shopping. But um, the Coles car park turns out was owned by people who have no interest whatsoever in having an art project happen on their site. Um, that was a wall that would not be scaled. But then we ended up being given for a much more extended period of time than anticipated for the project this kind of old shed out the back of the Uniting Church, which is just on the Codmore, kind of the main drag, or pedestrian drag of Alice Springs, which ended up being a really perfect flat for the project to take place in that there's a lot of thoroughfare of people past the shed and we painted it bright yellow, which just kind of became a thematic colour for the project. <laughs> and, um, mm. and I don't know, took on that kind of cute thing where everyone liked the yellow shed a beacon. I, I like the yellow activity. shed. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit about the kind of things that took place in that space? I saw a photograph of the um, the topographical map. So I guess it became a pile of different ideas in all of the meetings with the broader group that designed what would happen there. So it was piles of ideas, which I really ambitiously kind of tried to do all of. Um, and one of those things was, yeah, this large and quite beautiful in the end, yeah, wooden topographic map of the Mbandoi area right out to Andulia out east and a little bit out west um, to Alapoyela or Mount Gielan, which had buttons that you could press with, with people had recorded the names of sites in that under, which is knowledge that it's available in books, but it's not really uh, out under as a complex language and Ross has a complex orthography to match which people find a little bit intimidating if they haven't done the work of learning the orthography which is a system unto itself basically. And, um, What's orthography, sorry? Uh, an orthography is a spelling system for a language basically like how, how, how the letters represent the sounds and every language has a different way of using the letters or letters represent different sounds and Aranda to an English speaker is not immediately easy to reproduce vocally mm-hmm. when you read it. So we used sound where possible throughout the project to help people basically engage with language because hearing, listening is the number one modality when approaching learning a new language. And there's also um, 50 words that everyone who lives in Mbantua should know. Yeah, I mean... I myself lived here for five years without really knowing more than one word of Arunda, which is completely possible. It's completely possible for a visitor or a, even a settler who's grown up here, who was born here in this country, to not speak a single word of Arunda. Or maybe maybe they actually know, you know, they know some words because of a few, like, shopping centres named after this thing or a few places, but um, that they may not even realise that it's Arunda. And it kind of is a pretty, I guess, painful state of affairs in a way that that it's possible to live here and not engage at all. Um, so the project became a real intervention into that. And it's, you know, one thing in a long line of language work in this place. But I guess that's where sort of art and aesthetics come into a, um, into a form of activism. And what, what it's able to achieve on a local level is kind of, exciting and so the 50 words thing kind of became like the campaign side of the project which 
a lot of people really grabbed onto. I mean, for mm. our listeners, could you describe what that particular project entails? The the What's 50 it? words? Yeah, we just recorded the sound of those words and they had a sound cloud up for people to listen to and then we made a poster that has the words written on it and also fridge magnets that have all the words written on them. Then we had a series of challenges at the shed so people could come along and be tested on their knowledge if they'd done their homework and gave out prizes for people who <laughs> had learned their 50 words. And, yeah, just, a, I guess, a media campaign around that. A tweet. So a tweet means... Family. Owner. owner. Custodian. A tweet. Family. Gwen. Yeah, your family. Yeah. Or you can be a tweet for a mirror. America Toy, like Toy. Women on the line. And as well as the 50 words, which we've already touched on, I understand there's also a walking tour? Um, on Samalawatik, which is, means going along and listening, kind of. And so we made an audio kind of tour to. Well, the original idea was about teaching the direction words, so the words for north, east, west, south, and those words obviously are important in any language, but are very much used in orientation in an Avanga kind of worldview. So it was sort of like a way, it became kind of this way to sort of walk through the CBD of Alice Springs, seeing it from a, a little bit of more of an Avanga perspective as designed by the three main... Um, and the people with it um, designed it. We, we sort of collaborated on it. So we just sort of wrote a little script, a series of tracks that would be played at footprints when you stood around at different places in the CBD. So it was about a 25-minute walk around. Are you going all right? Are you going to sleep? We're going to go east now. Ignara means east. Ignara, Ignara lama east. Ignara, Lora Richagalama. We're going to see the river. Kala Lodjagai. Kala Lodjagai. Sorry. I understand there was a three-week intensive period where mm-hmm. all of the activities took place in the space. Maybe we could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I guess like every day in the space was a little bit different. Sometimes it was just open as a space you could come into and there were normally like other people being sort of like paid to be there as teachers but not in a sort of formalised sense but really just as a point of exchange and to show people around the spaces with the different things, physical things you could engage with or read or watch the things to listen to and things to watch and things to read and things to buy and things to touch and so on some level it just operated like a kind of a drop-in sort of exhibition space that was quite live and populated but every day we would have different sort of things happening uh, like the storytelling events for aimed, aimed at children but for whoever and yeah and the, like the 50 words challenge events and we had screenings of different um, things that had either been produced by the project or by other organisations and people doing other kinds of language work, but just to highlight or to give a 
another public opportunity for that stuff to be seen by people in this context. Mm. Um, Little J and Big Cuz? I hadn't heard about that, but that's like an oh, yeah. animation so series? Like a, yeah, it was a, a national production that was made in English initially with people like Deborah Mallon and Leah Purcell doing voices and it's been exciting. All Indigenous writers and, yeah, children's animation, but then they also rolled out funding to overdub all of the episodes into five different Indigenous languages around Australia, including Aranda and also Pitikara that I worked on a year ago. So we around it just kind of timed well that the um, when they were finished. So we had like kind of like screening voice actor celebrations for the local voice actors on that, and that was really exciting. And that how quickly just kids became really obsessed with it, and then we were able to screen it in the space every day, and like heaps of kids just got really into it and we're running and going, Little Jay, big cows, Little Jay, put it on, put it on, put, it on, put on that cartoon, put on that cartoon, yeah, Lucky Undies. <laughs> one of the episodes is called Lucky Undies. <laughs> Excellent. Everyone likes that one the best. Like really high quality, well-made content in Indigenous languages is still really rare. So when it does happen, it's really special and people are really, yeah, I guess feel really proud of, proud of that kind of work. To see people's own languages reflected in a mainstream media kind of context is pretty amazing. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> on community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're bringing you coverage of Apmara and Ganchakana, an Aranda language project based in Mbantua or Alice Springs. As part of producing this episode, Women on the Line tried to arrange individual interviews with Aranda women connected to Apmara and Ganjigana. However, it became apparent that rather than doing things the white fell away and singling out people to speak for everyone, it was better to feature the recordings from the forum on language held as part of the project where people were able to speak as part of their community. I guess alongside um, technology, there's things like creating more content in languages that is both for teaching children but also the it's a generative process making those things. I was wondering Amelia or MK if you wanted to talk about your experience working on uh, Little J Big Cuz or other doing making other things in language and anything you want to talk about with that? This is Amelia Turner. Well I'm Little J. <laughs> 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 yeah, but sometimes it's really hard because you had a real pushy person sitting next to you and saying, nah, do it again, you know, but it's, it was good and it was really inspiring too for me, you know, because I really hasn't done, a, you know, a big project like that. I've done a couple with uh, I, I Talk Library, you know, mum and myself and some of the families, but that project we done was really good and it really interpreted me on a lot of things in like language, you know, you can turn it around to see people really understand hey, about what you're talking about and what you um, saying and what you trying to tell the audience, you know? Because you're going to think 
there's a little audience, there's a big audience, you know. Some will really enjoy the cartoons, and it was great to do it in another language. And, yeah, kind of. This is Veronica Lynch. Could I, could I just add to that? Um, I was manning the fort over there this afternoon and I had my little grandson with me and um, he's white as a ghost. He's seven years old and he was inspired by little Jay and um, P Pam and I were sitting in the room and he went and turned the um, iPad on and he learned a few of those 50 word challenges and on little Jay he heard um, Wooda and he said, Nana! <laughs> you know, and he got up close to the TV. Yeah, so that was really, you know, inspirational for him. And um, while we're going to, while we're studying to do Cert 4, we'd like to take that back to our homeland and start um, training our teachers, like Felicity here and Sister Girls there, and get them to start setting at it on the homeland where, where the homeland would be safe environment for our um, young children to learn. You know, instead of running around in town here and waiting for the bus bus to pick them up or something, running to school late, whereas they can just jump out of bed and walk down a few houses and, you know, school's just there. Yeah, thank you. This is Pamela Lynch. Um, Pam here. I'd just like to add that um, art is another form of learning language as well. Our dad has left behind us... Uh, a history book of um, cultural knowledge in our um, country. So what he taught us through uh, dot paintings, the colours, where the paintings represent, what they represent, the significance of the land in the seasons, all of that has to be taught to our children. And that's a journey that both Veronica and I and all of us here has to take now and get down and help with our young people, get on that one journey to help that language, keep our language strong. Yeah. Who would come to the space each day? Yeah, it was really different every day, and I kind of really enjoyed like watching different groups interact. Like The first week we were open was still school time, and quite a few school groups came in, either pre-arranged but also totally randomly that just heard about it, and teachers would just bring classes in, which was great. I remember one beautiful day with Teresa Ryder, who's um, one of the project work advisory group, uh, local Arundel woman, or also from Stan Teresa, Singapore. She was in kind of just being a sort of local person present, and then a school group came in, and there was like some Japanese tourists in at the same time, and she was standing there telling like all the kids what it meant to be born in Yeparanya, to be born off the caterpillar and the caterpillar country and the Arunda country and how you would like respectfully address a, an Arunda woman or an Arunda man and and then the Japanese tourists were standing watching the whole thing kind of, yeah, it was felt like every day was like a different kind of combo of people, you know, and a lot of, I guess, local people who live here but non-Arunda people who'd heard about it in various ways would come down to visit and wanted to check it out and then just get really random Shop-ins and then lots of other good people and families who are involved in making it and the kind of the that community around the project seemed to really grow really quickly in the three weeks and everyone kind of wanted to come down and see what was going on and um, yeah they were all kind of excited buzz around it for a while there. 
following on on the theme of people doing good work. Uh, Felicity and Veronica and others involved in Children's Ground, I wanted to ask about how, how you reckon Narendra kids learn. Like, talk about a learning process that... This is Veronica Turner. Well, they learn from when we speak to them. We speak Aranda and they speak Aranda back to us. Well, we take, yeah, like I said earlier, like we teach them from the grassroots. Yeah, and uh, it's really important and because we got these little programs going on at the moment for, um, if any, like on Tuesdays, Tomorrow, we'll be having a session there for any little ones to come around and um, join in with our, um, with our kids. That's tomorrow. Yeah. This is Felicity Hayes. Me and Veronica, we work with um, Children's Ground. Uh, we wanted to set up a little school for them because um, our little children, when they grow up, when they grow up at home, and they're ready for school, um, they can't go to a um, like a um, early learning centre because you know they don't know English and they, it's a bit foreign for them. So um, we decided to do this children's ground, children's ground for um, for our kids, so they can be ready for school to um, like follow the routines and stuff like that. So. Um, and because our little children have been learning back home with us, learning language and culture with like mum and dad and grandparents, so uh, we decided to have children's ground and start start with their little ones and teach them like um, culture and um, language, like we did when we were small, like when we were growing up at Santa Teresa, because we were the lucky ones that wasn't sent, you know, sent away. Um, to, um, yeah, you know, like Bangalore, but that was a long time ago. Like, um, we went away to boarding school, right, but we come back, but we still had our language and culture, so uh, we wanted to share with um, our children and make the little children strong in their language and culture. Hey, um, Sylvie has just suggested we talk a little bit more about the origin of that yellow house. So I might ask Amelia and MK, do you want to add something about, I guess, what we talked about in those first meetings about why we might do that, make that place? This is Margaret Kamara Turner. Yeah, we really like to make that place Make it into Alice Spring. People of Alice Spring need that little place with all their other mapping. Young ones and old ones, people want to learn. People want to learn some words. There's a lot of words there that people can learn there. Oh, if you want to do that 50 word challenge, you can do it if you're smart. <laughs> yeah, my mummy can do it there, look, she's sitting down there in the front. Yeah. And it's really good too. 
to learn those words, and then you can know what those words mean. That's why Alice Spring really needs a place like this, like one of those. We should have another one here, another one over there, everywhere. Yeah? So people, a lot of people can learn. We don't want here just people saying, Muta, Yaya, Kala, Mora. That's not word, that's just an ordinary word thing, Hello, Hawaii, and all that, you know. We want people to thought they can learn. Yeah, where did you come from? You know? Something like that. Those sort of words that we can put in here. And that place there, we want to make that really strong for people so they can learn language. People who got languages can learn and want to learn, learn their mother language. People listen to those names on that board there, the names of the land there, so people can know what name they, you can hear when you go to the, the spots over here. Instead of saying Anzac Hill, instead of saying, uh, um, what's that other place, um, Middle Park and everything there. Yeah, you can hear all those names there. Instead you can say, oh, the gap, you can hear that word on, the, on that uh, board there. Anybody can go in there and learn those languages, you know? Because there's a lot of kids here born in Alice Spring. All your mums, you should encourage all a lot, no matter who they are, you know? So they can have, they can have respect for people, elders, people here, not only Urpala, my elders, they, and um, all their brothers too, you know? Not every brothers here, some elders, sometimes they, they don't get treated well too, you know, with all our kids. So they're going to have respect. Kalamora. That was Margaret Kamara Turner, and you've been listening to excerpts from a forum on language held as part of Apmara Anganjagana, an Aranda language project that recently took place in Alice Springs. Where can listeners go if they want to find out some more information about the project or um, listen mm, to good some question. resources? Um, or? We didn't create a website for the project. There's a page up on the Watch This Space website, which is wts.org.au. Um, there's a bit of media online about it. I also noticed the, the 50 words are up on SoundCloud and there's also a Bandcamp with the walking tour. Um, yeah, the walking tour is up on Bandcamp. I mean, it's a funny one as well. Like people, people from other places have been like wanting to buy the merchandise, so like the poster or the magnets and stickers that we made and stuff. And I kind of think, well, I wouldn't stop anyone from buying the products. I kind of think it's really relevant only to this place like the specificity of this language like to this place and your will as a as a non-Indigenous person to engage with language, well, then you need to get in touch with or find out what the issue locally is with Indigenous language of the place where you live. And it might not be at a position where you can learn that or engage with the language directly because maybe the language has been sleeping for 100 years and is being woken up or... 
or, you know, it's different in every place. But if people are keen to engage in some way, I think it's kind of important really think to think locally. So, yeah, but to find out about the process of a project, I guess I'm going to be trying to do some writing about that in the next six months, which will be available in some way down the track. that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelion at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time.